This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Center for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit jodcast.net. The night sky for August 2019. Well, at least the nights are drawing in a bit, so we have more time to view the heavens. As darkness falls, you might see a bright star over in the west. It's Arcturus, the brightest star in the constellation of Bootes. Moving over to the south, we have one of the most beautiful regions in the sky, with the constellations of Cygnus, with its bright star Deneb, Lyra, with its bright star Vega, and Aquila, with its bright star Altair. Those three stars make up what is called the Summer Triangle. If with binoculars you work your way up on a dark night from Altair towards Vega, about a third of the way, you cross a dark region of the Milky Way called the Cygnus Rift. And there you might see a nice little asterism called Brocky's Cluster, less properly, the Coat Hanger. Down to the left of the line between Altair and Deneb is a sweet little constellation called Delphinus the Dauphin. Rising in the southeast now is the constellation of Pegasus, the upside-down winged horse. If you start at the top left-hand star, called Alpharaz, of the square of Pegasus, move across one star, round a little bit, up to the next bright star, then 90 degrees right, past one star, you may then come at the same distance to a fuzzy spot in the sky. It'll need to be near New Moon, so it's dark. That's the great nebula in Andromeda, the Andromeda galaxy. Now, another way to find it is if you look up towards the North Pole, Polaris, you'll find the W-shaped constellation of Cassiopeia. And the V-shape, the lower right part of Cassiopeia, actually that points down towards Andromeda. So that's two ways to find it. So let's now have a look at the planets. Well, Jupiter, shining on the first at magnitude minus 2.41, falling slightly to minus 2.21 during the month, can be seen in the south as darkness falls. Its angular size drops slightly from 42.6 to 39.9 arc seconds as the month progresses. In the southern part of Ophiuchus, Jupiter ends its retrograde motion, that's moving westwards across the sky, on the 11th of August. So we'll then begin to move away from Antares in Scorpius, initially lying some 7 degrees up and to its left. A highlight in the Jodrell Bank night sky page, just search night sky Jodrell, gives the times when the great red spot faces the Earth and so perhaps easiest to spot. Sadly, it's now heading towards the most southernmost part of the ecliptic, so as it crosses the meridian in twilight, it will only have an elevation of about 14 degrees from central UK. Happily, its elevation will only have dropped by a degree an hour later in full darkness. Because of its elevation, atmospheric dispersion will thus take its toll. And what is called an atmospheric dispersion corrector, just over 100 pounds or so, would greatly help to improve the views of this wonderful giant planet. Now Saturn crosses the meridian, so highest in the sky, at around 11pm BST as August begins. Its disk is then 18.2 arc seconds across, and the rings, which are still nicely tilted from the line of sight, span some 42.5 arc seconds across. By month's end, it'll best be seen at around 9.30pm, when lying due south. During the month, its brightness falls from magnitude plus 0.16 to plus 0.33. 
as the angular size falls to 17.6 arc seconds. Sadly, now in Sagittarius and lying on the southern side of the Milky Way, it's at the lowest point of the ecliptic and will only reach an elevation of around 14 degrees. Now this is a very good month for observing Mercury in the pre-dawn sky if you've never seen it. It's currently heading west of the Sun following its inferior conjunction last month and during the first couple of weeks of August rises higher in the sky in the pre-dawn twilight. By the 4th of August, shining at magnitude plus 1.2, it will have an elevation of about 5 degrees above the east-northeastern horizon, some 40 minutes before dawn. The way to find it is to look for first Castor and Pollux in Gemini and then drop around 10 degrees below them. Now you might well need binoculars to, pick, to reduce the sun's background glare, but please do not use them after the sun has risen. Now Mercury gradually rises higher in the sky and brightens too, so by the 13th of the month it reaches an elevation of about 8 degrees some 40 minutes before dawn at about 5 o'clock a.m. BST and its brightness has increased to minus 0.36. From around the 10th to the 16th of August, a telescope might be able to show its 7 arc second disc exhibiting a phase of about 52%. As Mercury falls back towards the horizon in the next week or so, its brightness increases, in fact, to minus 1.0, and will show a gibbous phase of about 77%. But by the last week of the month, it'll become lost again in the sun's glare. Well, we're not going to see Mars or Venus. Mars, for four months, Mars, which passes behind the sun, that's called superior conjunction, on September the 2nd, lies too close to the sun to be visible. We will have to wait until November to spot it in the pre-dawn sky at the start of its next apparition. Venus likewise. It passes through superior conjunction, again, on the far side of the Sun on the 14th of August, so will not become visible again in the evening twilight until late autumn. Well, finally, what about the highlights? Well, looking towards the south, a little bit towards the southwest, you can find the constellation of Hercules and spot the globular cluster M13. It's the best globular cluster visible in the northern sky. Four stars make up its keystone, and M13 is two-thirds of the way up the right-hand side. Just to the left of the bright star Vega in Lyra is the multiple star system Epsilon Lyrae, often called the double-double. With binoculars, a binary star is seen, but when observed with a telescope under good seeing, each of these two stars is revealed to be a double star, hence the name. Between about August the 1st and the 6th after sunset, Jupiter lies quite close to Antares, looking towards the south-southwest. On the 9th of August, Jupiter is quite near the moon, seen down to the lower left of the moon, which will be a day after first quarter. As I've mentioned above, between August the 10th and the 16th, Mercury is at its best. Now we do have one of the two great meteor showers this year, the Perseids, best seen on the mornings of the 12th and 13th of the month. The meteors are produced by the debris left by the comet Swift-Tuttle. The peak is quite broad, so it's well worth observing on the nights both before the 12th and after the 13th. Most meteors are seen looking about 15 degrees away from the radiant, which lies between Perseus and Cassiopeia. But sadly, this year, the moon will be just before full, 
so we will only expect to see the brighter meteors. On the 24th of August, the moon passes through the Hyades cluster. This is in the hours before dawn. And in fact, it will occult two quite bright stars, Delta 1 and Delta 2 Tauri. And on the night sky page, I give a, a, a little plot showing the times of ingress and egress of the moon for these two stars. The times are slightly approximate. Because the moon's quite close, we have parallax to contend with. And depending where you are in the UK, for example, the times might be a bit before or a bit after the times I've quoted. I usually mention something to observe on the moon. This month, on the 8th and 21st, there are good times because the terminator, and near the terminator things show up best, is what is called the Hyginus Rill, and crater. For some time, a debate raged as to whether the craters on the moon were caused by impacts or volcanic activity. We now know, of course, that virtually all were caused by impact. But it's thought that the Hyginus crater that lies in the centre of the Hyginus rill may very well be volcanic in origin. It's an 11 kilometre wide rimless pit, in contrast to impact craters which have raised rims. And essentially, we believe it's the result of the surface slumping down into an internal void caused partly by one of these lava tubes. Well, quite a number of things to look at. Let's hope it's clear around the time of the Perseids, and perhaps you don't mind waking up too early to see the occultations in the Hyades cluster. Thanks for that, Ian. And after the night sky north, we have now the night sky south with Haritina Mogasanu and Samuel Les. from New Zealand. Hi everyone. We're here at Space Place at Cairo Observatory holding galactic conversations from the heart of Wellington in the Southern Hemisphere, my favorite place to be with the music of the amazing Rian Sheehan, our Wellingtonian star composer. I'm Haritina Mogoshanu. And I'm Samuel Liske. Space Place is our historical astronomy icon here in New Zealand and we are located right at the heart of our capital city. And we're so lucky to be among the capital cities in the world from where you can still see the Milky Way. Instructions to read before looking up. August night sky. For those of us who don't read the instructions, we just have amazing stuff that we wish to share. And those who do neither instructions nor stories, here's the gossip. Did you know there's a comet in the night sky that you can see with a telescope? A famous meteor shower that unfortunately is not visible from Wellington. Prepare your telescopes. We have two amazing planets to observe. If you don't have telescopes, join us at Space Place at Cairo Observatory where we have telescope viewing every Tuesday, Friday and Saturday night's clear skies. The center of the galaxy has fantastic objects such as open and globular clusters. Sagittarius and Scorpius are excellent constellations, but now they're adorned by the two jewels on each side of the Milky Way that are Jupiter and Saturn, amazing objects. There is also a comet that we can see with a telescope, P-2008. 
its comet in Scorpius and its magnitude is 9.7. Oldies but goldies, the circumpolar zone of the South Celestial Pole has some spectacular objects too. Open clusters, globular clusters and of course the Magellanic Clouds. But this time of the year they're in the lower part of the sky near the horizon so not the best to observe as we are looking through a thick layer of atmosphere. Whereas with the galactic centre we are looking straight up so it's in the perfect position. The very famous meteor shower of the Perseids will not be visible for Wellington so unfortunately no hot chocolate on your star lounger admiring falling stars. But definitely the entire Milky Way makes up for that in beauty so you can have a look at that instead. A bit about August. Respected and impressive August is an adjective which means exactly that. If July is named after Julius Caesar, Roman military genius, August is named after Julius Caesar's grandnephew Augustus, who later became his adopted son. He was the first Roman emperor following the Republic, which was destroyed by his great uncle when he proclaimed himself a dictator. Augustus called himself the first citizen and the sixth month of the year in the Roman calendar Sextilis was named after him. August has 31 days just as July because the Roman Senate decided that both leaders were of equal prestige. These are the only two Roman leaders whose names lasted for 2,000 years in our calendar. I wish my name could last for 2,000 years. Wow, you never know. Maybe you'll get a month. <laughs> so what's the sun up to? Well, the sun rises at 7.29 on the 1st of August and earlier and earlier every day so that on the 31st of August, it will rise at 6.48 a.m. not p.m. and is setting at 5.25 p.m. on the 1st of August and later and later till 5.54 p.m. on the last day of August. And the days are obviously getting longer. Not so good for us astronomers. In August, the Sun transits first the zodiacal constellation of Cancer and then moves into Leo on the 18th of August when it stays until September the 17th. Wow, that's a long constellation to go through. The zodiacal constellations are those stars visible behind the plane of our solar system, but 8 degrees each side of the ecliptic. This is why we say they form a band in the sky called the zodiacal band. Since the Sun is transiting both the space we call Cancer and Leo, it means we cannot see the stars in these constellations. They are behind the Sun. Need to remind everyone that it is dangerous to look into the Sun, of course. Unless you've got a solar telescope that is well maintained and designed for looking at the Sun, and then you're okay looking at the Sun. Like we do. Exactly. The Sun in Leo means only one thing opposite the Sun that is 180 degrees on the other side of the zodiacal band is Aquarius. Aquarius will rise just after sunset and will be visible all night long. The Milky Way is so striking here in New Zealand that in the absence of a polar star we believe everyone should find directions by. August is another one of those months where you can admire the centre of the Milky Way crossing the zenith at about 8pm. This is quite awesome here, which means that if you're not a, a late nighter, you can come straight from work and do astronomy starting at 6pm. That's fantastic, and we've been doing that all week. We have. 
when it's at its highest, the Milky Way stretches here from north to south through zenith. It's like a surf of stars on the sky. The top of the wave is the center of the galaxy. This is happening right now, so you better find yourself some dark skies and prepare to be amazed. Here in the Southern Hemisphere, we have such a different perspective. The South Celestial Pole is leaning towards the center of our galaxy, the Milky Way. We are all used to talk about Milky Way as being a river, but I'm going to challenge that. Here is like the surf of the planetary ocean. Uh, I don't know, Carl Sagan was talking about the planetary yeah, ocean. Stars on the surface. Surface. And yes, in the Northern Hemisphere, we can say it looks like a river. The reason being is that in the Northern Hemisphere, Earth's axis is pointing towards the edge of the galaxy. The best you can get is a resemblance to a riverbed. Scorpius doesn't come up more than 30-40 degrees above the horizon, so you don't get to see all that galactic bulge at once. Many ancient references call the Milky Way a river. Latins called it Via Lactea, the Milky Way, literally. Well, I bet uh, our northern hemisphere friends will relish having a river at the moment, given the heat waves they're going through. Uh, or come and visit us. Exactly. So next time you visit the southern hemisphere, or if you're already here, take a moment and pay attention to the Milky Way. Follow it south to bump into the Southern Cross. This is in the wake of the Milky Way. Follow it north and you'll see Altair and Vega near the horizon. Distant harbingers of the north. Scorpius or Orion. Let's talk about Scorpius and Orion. Uh, they're mortal enemies in ancient Greece, hence they've been placed in opposite part of the sky, or at least that was their mnemonic. Scorpius and Orion look like nothing that would indicate they can symbolize a scorpion or a human, actually. Scorpius does, but uh, with a little bit of imagination. They must have good imaginations in those days. They must have. At this time of the year in Aotearoa, the Maori name for Scorpius is Te Matawa Maui, the fish hook of Maui, and it drags the Milky Way to Ikaroa, the big fish, from the sky all night long. Orion, to, to be fair, it does look more like a fish hook than it does a scorpion. It does look like a fish hook. Orion, the hunter, is upside down to what you'd be accustomed here at the antipodes. Perhaps that's why everyone's calling here a pot, talking about calling names. But you can see why the stars resemble a pot that you put on a stove. Orion is in the morning sky and you can admire it for a few hours before sunrise. The ecliptic marks the plane of our solar system bearing these zodiacal constellations. The ecliptic is a great circle on the celestial sphere, representing the sun's apparent path during the year, so-called because lunar and solar eclipses can only occur when the moon crosses it. Well, as seen from Wellington, the ecliptic runs through the northern part of the sky. In Europe, it's we see the sun in the southern part of the sky. That's why everyone here looks for houses that face north. Very close to the ecliptic are Spica in Virgo, Zuben Agenubi in Libra, I love this name. Antares in Scorpius. And Algedi Prima, Algedi Secunda, Dabi Major and Minor, and Deneb Algedi in Capricorn. The ecliptic intersects the Milky Way in Scorpius and Sagittarius. What stars are in the Milky Way? Let's have a look. Well, starting from the center of the galaxy, going north, uh, Shelda, the stinger of Scorpius, Chaos Australis, Nunki in Sagittarius, a beautiful cute star, Ioannina in Scutum, and then Altair in Aquila, and the beautiful open cluster coat hanger in Pulpecula and Albireo and Vega. Unfortunately, the last three objects are very close to the horizon, 
Especially in our hilly Wellington, it will be very hard to see. I especially like the coat hanger because I can say coat hanger. And, and it looks like a coat hanger if you look at it with mm. binoculars. But it's upside down here. Yeah. Need, need, need I well, say? Well, coats fall off. <laughs> there are some objects that are circumpolar to New Zealand and we can see them all night long. What does circumpolar mean? Circumpolar objects are the ones that rotate around the celestial pole. These objects are above the horizon at all times at a given latitude. For instance, the plough is circumpolar to Britain, but here in Wellington we can't see it at all. It's hidden by the Earth. We could if Earth would have been transparent. Here on the other hand we have the Southern Cross with the pointers that are circumpolar. The Diamond Cross and the False Cross are circumpolar too. Canopus and Akana are also circumpolar. The same for the Magellanic Clouds, Omega Centauri, 47 Took, Jewel Box, the Southern Pleiades, Gem Cluster, and Omicron Valorum. Hey, what's 47 Took? It is an amazingly beautiful globular cluster, on a par with Omega Centauri. And, you know, some people think it's better, other people don't. Well, it's my favourite, actually. I think it's better than Omega Centauri, but let's just leave it here. It's much smaller, though. Yeah, it is much smaller, but it's got a very cute star that makes the difference. Hmm. The Saturn Cross and the Pointers are still in a good position to see. Doesn't have a black hole. No. <laughs> Being circumpolar, it means they turn around once every 23 hours and 56 minutes. That's why they're always somewhere else in the sky. Very confusing for someone who's from the Northern Hemisphere like me. But if you look roughly south, that's all you have to do. They'll be there. Around mid-August after sunset, the first of the pointers, Alpha Centauri, is at meridian. Imagine 12 o'clock on an imaginary clock of the sky. And the Saturn cross will be the hand marking 1 o'clock. By 9 o'clock, the real 9 o'clock, the Saturn cross will be marking 3 o'clock. Confused? By the same hour, Canopus will be due exactly south. At 4 degrees altitude, it will be hard to see unless you have sea in the open horizon ahead of you. Now what's interesting is if you get up really early in the morning before the sun gets up, of course the Southern Cross will be pointing directly south, roughly this time of year. So just keep an eye on it, it's a moving feast. Like a clock. Like <laughs> it goes round and round and round. If you could imagine one dead. Wow, yeah. <laughs> Good luck with that. Visible object on the south circumpolar lead, I called it a lead because I think it looks like a lead rather, are 47 Tucane and the small Magellanic clouds, the Saturn Pleiades, Eta Carina and NGC 3532. Also known as the wishing well cluster because it's what it looks like. Someone threw a whole lot of coins in the wishing well. It is beautiful. There are so many amazing, beautiful objects in, in the night sky. We were looking at them the other night with the binoculars and the telescope, and it was just phenomenal, and we invited all the neighbors. Well, it's amazing between Southern Cross and the Southern Pleiades, the, the number of clusters, the nebulas, it's fantastic. I always said, if you don't yet have a telescope, you might as well forget about getting one until you learn your constellations and your binocular targets. As it's as much fun as deep sky photography. Star hopping is fun too. So learn those directions first and then you'll see they will come in handy later. So as we were saying, the night sky is absolutely fantastic here and the centre of the galaxy, the centre of the Milky Way is by far the best to observe this time of the year. It's round, it's big and it's almost overhead and it's got two planets, Saturn and Jupiter. Jupiter actually comes first because again it's upside down here so Jupiter is on the side of the galaxy with Scorpius is actually near Antares and Saturn is in Sagittarius. And so Saturn's about two hours behind Jupiter. 
Um, so if you leave your telescope parked looking at Jupiter and go outside, watch the TV program, make a cup of tea, because as we do, we have coffee doing it. Um, then Saturn will be in the eyepiece. We did have hot chocolate the other night. It's very nice. We have a recipe will be on the website. Yes. There is our favorite dark sky patch, dark Milk. sky um, sign. Milky Way Kiwi. Milky Way Kiwi, which is at the center of the galaxy and has the galactic black hole almost on its head like a crown. It's like balancing it. Yeah. Balancing it, yeah. It's actually the whole reason we have a black hole is because it sits on the head of the Milky Way Kiwi. And that is fabulous. And again, here in New Zealand, you can go to a very, very dark sky region and you can see, or at least I thought I saw it with the naked eye. It's kind of hard to see unless you know what to look at. The other famous dark patch is the Colsac near the Southern Cross. The Colsac is also known as the Flounder, which is a Maori name for it. And indeed, if you find a truly dark sky, you will see the resemblance. This one, you can see it easier than the Milky Way Kiwi. Right next to the Colsac is the beautiful cluster, the Jewel Box Cluster, also known as NGC 4755. And that is a really beautiful cluster. And actually, if you've never seen Gem Cluster, which is on the other side of Edicarina, then check that one out because they look kind of similar. I think the gem ones are the nice. It's a bit rounder. Yeah. It's got more stars. Whereas, well, actually, the Jewel Box has a triangular kind of like shape to it, which is beautiful. And it's got those three stars that we call the traffic light. I think both clusters have their own beauty. Well, I think gem doesn't get looked at much or spoken about much because of its um, very bright, elaborate neighbor. Whereas uh, the jewel box is just sitting next to a big dark compass gone. And of course, um, all these big goldies are last but not least, it's a Karina. It's as amazing as ever and it's very easy to find very close to the Saturn Pleiades. All you have to do is go to the right. And of course, right now, when the moon is uh, diminishing on its way to being a, a new moon, um, Eta Carina really, really stands out. Even in central Wellington, you know, with our light pollution, you can still see the the, the lovely shapes of the uh, gas clouds and the shadow. shadow Fantastic. And with the Magellanic clouds, only the small Magellanic cloud is visible properly. The large Magellanic cloud is in the lower part of the sky, so you have to look at it through clouds, through atmosphere, hills, hills, hills. and all that the neighbor's house. Neighbor's house, yeah. But um, the small Magellanic cloud is beautiful, and you can see all those amazing stars if you if you look at it, even with binoculars. And with the naked eye, you can actually see it with the peripheral vision better than anything. And you do have to be careful if you do want to look at the large Magellanic cloud this time of year, um, because if you are pointing your telescope at it, your neighbors may need some convincing that you're not pointing it at them. Yeah, that is very true. And with that magnificent view in mind, not of the neighbors, but the <laughs> we are signing out and wish you clear skies so that you can always see the stars. From Wellington, New Zealand, Haritina Mogoshanu and Samuel Liski, wish you a fantastic August. <laughs> <laughs>